and welcome to Another Bite, where we rewatch the most innovative and intriguing pitches from Shark Tank. I'm Jory, and I'm joined by Ariel. Hello. And John. Hi. How you doing? Today in the tank, we've got a product that will help you hydrate instead of dihydrate with a fizzy and fun alternative to alcohol. I may not be hip with the youths, but the mocktail revolution is upon us, and this company aims to rise above the rest. Yes, that was a carbonation pun. But before we dive in, here's an ad that promises to be just as refreshing. Over 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot, and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support so you can grow beyond your wildest dreams, boosting leads and ramping up sales along the way. They even have a constantly evolving collection of resources to help startups scale. Plus, with the HubSpot for Startups program, you can save up to 90% off your first year. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot and take your growth to new heights, visit hubspot.com startups. Today in the tank, we have Gia, and Gia is brought to us by Melanie, who is looking for $250,000 for 5% in her company, which is a $5 million valuation. Now, this founder's product, Gia, is a non-alcoholic spritz alternative to alcohol when you're in a social drinking situation. So it can be bought as a mixer or you can purchase one of Gia's pre-packaged spritzes, like the, one of those ready-made mixes you can get in the can. It comes in three different flavors. It's a bit of an herbal flavor, which is meant to emulate Aperol or Campari, just, you know, if you're in the mocktail game or cocktail game. And thinking about our founder, our pitch, and our product, initial thoughts of Gia. Look, I think it's a great idea. I think timing-wise, like we have the whole sober curious drinkers movement right now that's mm -hmm. going on. We know that Gen Z, they are 20% less likely to drink than millennials do. So they're much more conscious about their relationship with alcohol. Mm -hmm. And it's been such a huge thing that's been like trending online. You have a ton of like influencers within this space. I think the product and packaging is beautiful. It's very beautiful. But I don't think it hits the mark for a Gen Z audience, assuming that that's who she's trying to reach. Yeah, it seems targeted for someone older, actually. It looks yeah, like a more sophisticated exactly. drink. If Gen yeah. Z was drinking heavily, they wouldn't be drinking Campari. Campari, you drink when you're like, I don't know, like 35 and like <laughs> cruising through Italy. Oh my gosh. How would you describe the branding though? Because to me, it's sort of like groovy 60s mm -hmm. retro font with some pastel colors. It was a very classy and curated brand is yeah. what it felt like. Even down to the founders, like I love how she tried to embody the brand down to her outfit, her haircut. Everything was very intentional in this pitch yeah. to try to tie in this idea. But I was curious what era you would market this in, if not the 60s or 70s. Because I know a lot of Gen Z is really into the 80s because of all of like Stranger Things. For sure. I think that probably would have been a better angle for her to lean into. It just feels a bit disjointed for the target audience that she's going for. But what do you guys think? It's not just Gen Z, though. We yeah. should be like clear. Like, yeah. like it's just all sober drinkers, right? It, <laughs> it seems like her audience isn't so targeted as that. She's talking about even just like the nights off that you don't want to drink alcohol. So I'm not even sure she was like at that point of like, this is my target audience and I'm going to market it specifically that way. Yeah, yeah. there are a confluence of things that are driving not just Gen Z to a shoe away from alcohol, but a whole bunch of others. You have major influential health figures like Andrew Huberman. Huberman Lab did an episode on alcohol, mm -hmm. and the conclusion was like, if you have more than one to two drinks a month, brain damage is a strong word, but like it causes your brain to function differently. There are consequences. And then everyone's doing wearables now. People are wearing things like the Whoop, and you realize that even when you only drink one drink, 
you sleep like crap. Like you don't recover, your HRV is really low, like all these things. Yeah. And so I think across all age groups, there's an increasing realization that they want non-alcoholic alternatives. What is she charging? 40 bucks for a bottle with like six or eight servings in it? You know, I think this is actually targeted not at Gen Z. I think it's targeted a little more upmarket, a little bit more older. I do think it would be in her best interest, though, to at least look at who is the largest representation yeah, of that segment, audience for sure. and try to, like, smooth her way in as opposed to solving for, like, an everyman type situation first. I actually think this is a very competitive space. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of other alternative options like kava drinks. Mm -hmm. Other like CBD related drinks have become mm -hmm. very prevalent on the market for folks that are looking to, again, like have that relaxing feeling without the same detrimental health effects as alcohol does. So I think she's entering a tight space. And there's just also great non-alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Used to be like the only thing you could get was O'Doul's. And it'd be like, <laughs> you know, like it's not worth it. Now you could drink like delicious craft IPAs that are non-alcoholic. Oh. And you're like, this is incredible. But the point that Ariel made stands, which is like, this is a competitive space and there's going to be yeah. a lot of money flowing into it. Every alcohol manufacturer is going to realize they're about to lose a huge amount of market share and they need to produce mm -hmm. alternatives. Alcohol marketing and distribution is one of the most competitive markets in the world. And so breaking into it's tough. Yeah. But John, we saw that with the seltzer industry when Truly came onto the market and yeah. you have like Miller and all these That's other true. companies rushing to try to like hop on. That's such a good point. Yep. And just how competitive the space is sort of starts to play out in front of us as we start to unpack the numbers of what's already happening for Gia. So she mentions that, you know, bottle retails for $38 and her margin is incredible, right? The cost to make is $650. But as of her walking on the Shark Tank, her 2022 sales were $2.5 million, 70% yeah. of which were online, right? So it's very clear that even though Gia is just getting started as a company, it's already making a splash in a really big space. She mentioned that the entire business sort of started with a single Instagram post that like went viral. Mm -hmm. So clearly making a splash in a space that has a lot of eyes on it right now. There is nothing like being a good brand in a market that's growing really fast. Mm -hmm. She was projecting sales at 4.5 million. Yeah. Anybody can project sales, though. <laughs> I'm projecting sales of 4.5 million from the attic next year. <laughs> yeah. But she has done a lot of sales. She's done great. Mm -hmm. And as of the Shark Tank, it seems like she's done this successfully a couple of times. She mentions that, like, initially she raised $3.5 million and maybe lost a million. But, like, who's counting? Mm -hmm. But is currently raising <laughs> $6.5 million and is still owning the lion's share of the company, right? So she still owns, as of the Shark Tank, 57% of the business. And that's where we get, like, a little bit of this interesting feeding frenzy yeah. because that's where the equity ask or, I guess, the equity gift that she's offering up to the sharks is coming from. It's like not coming from just the company in general. It's her own shares that she's offering to the sharks yeah. in exchange for their investment. Well, this is just another tricky thing. We've talked about the concept of down rounds mm -hmm. where you basically say, I've raised a bunch of money from people and they gave me that money in exchange for a percent of my company. You have a problem later if you go and you offer to sell shares of your company to somebody else at a lower valuation because what it immediately does is it says, hey, that you know $10 you gave me is actually now worth only like $7, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's really complicated. And what she's basically saying here is I'm going to give you more of my equity in order to facilitate that transaction so that the rest of my equity holders are not diluted. I'll be the only one who's diluted by giving the sharks this better deal because I really want a shark involved. 
which I think that's such a nice hand to like offer out when you know like, hey, I'm kind of in a tough spot. You can take it from my shares. It's tough to walk in a shark tank and be like, hey, I want you to basically participate in give me a $250,000 on a $40 million valuation. So I'll give you like half a percent of the company or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're just not going to be interested. So the only way she's going to be able to do it is if she can offer them a much better deal than what she's fundraising at. Mm-hmm. But to do that, she's got to protect her current shareholders or they'll all get diluted. So I think you're right, Ariel. I think it was a good way to handle that. Pretty clever. It was a good way to handle it, but we got a bit of like an emotional battle for the sharks. Robert gave her, I believe, exactly what she came in asking for. Robert was like, you know what? I see the vision. I see where this industry is going. 250K for 5%. Just shake my hand, founder. And we saw a bit of a misstep on the founder's part because she was like, well, what does everyone else want to say? Mm -hmm. When she got a shark giving her exactly what she asked for, she was like, look at that, Kevin. And Kevin's like, I don't know, maybe you should listen to this deal. And Robert rescinded his offer because she was shopping around for other sharks when she had exactly what she was asking for. Yeah. It was spicy. The spice was there. So ultimately, Robert went out and Kevin offered... 250K for 10%, so immediately a way worse deal, which would also devalue her as no longer the majority stakeholder in her business, which was definitely a shark move. Hate to see it. What do you expect, though? I know. (laughs) And she was so close to getting the exact deal she wanted. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, because it was going to put her at a disadvantage as no longer the majority stakeholder at her own company, While there was a Shark Tank deal on the table, no deal was made because Melanie ultimately walked away from the deal with Kevin. So Gia did not get a Shark Tank deal. Womp womp. Womp womp. But can we just talk about for a moment why some of the sharks go out, right? Because I think it was, was it Damon that was like, well, I have acid reflux. So (laughs) I can't drink this. Therefore, I cannot imagine investing in this product, right? And then Lori's like, well, Mm, it's the flavor. I can't do like sweet and bitter flavors. So, you know, I don't don't have to drink it to invest in it. Like what's going on? (laughs) Well, this was a segment that wasn't from too long ago, October, 2022. Gia is very much still around as a company. It initially had the three flavors. It now offers a new flavor. So sumac and chili, which, you know, I would try that, maybe. But you can currently purchase Gia at more than 1,600 stores, bars, and restaurants across the nation and throughout Canada. So very much still a company, and we'd love to see where this company goes. Today's episode was written and produced by the mythical Matthew Brown. Additional support comes from Melanie Romero and editing from Robert Hartwig. If you're a fan of the show... Even if you're not a fan of the show, tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to support the show. That does it for me. We'll see you next episode here in the tank for another bite.